0: Welcome to the F1 Rearview Podcast Series 1 Episode 9. We're back. We've had a couple of weeks off because, well, as you can probably see behind me, we're in a new place. Uh, And in fact, on the other side of that wall is Reese, and the other side of that wall, there you go, is Ruth. Um, We're not in the same room. We were going to originally do this all in one room, but we've still got technical difficulties, which is the reason we didn't do this last week um it turns out making a studio in a, a, not a studio is pretty difficult but we're working it out we're going to just do it like this this week and hopefully next week we'll have we'll have a proper good um setup um uh, but as always of course i am joined by the people on the other side of those walls reese keeble is here
1: hello hello nice to nice to be living with you
0: nice to be living with me and uh, ruth buchanan as well
2: hello welcome back to another week of the podcast
0: another week of the podcast um now guys let's be honest italy's just happened monza 2020 what a race i mean what are we going to say about that
1: bloody boring they think... took
0: the game they took the I'm game sick of
1: one. every race is the same they just go around in circles yeah. and hamilton always wins
0: it's <sighs> not good enough no they
1: took the game
0: Italy was this week but before Italy we missed a week we went to to Belgium um, and as I say, we've had two weeks off and I think we possibly picked the worst two weeks off in terms of Formula 1 news because so much has happened in these past two weeks that I'm pretty sure all the listeners probably are already aware of if you come to us for your news sources don't we're not a very reliable source Um, but we've had (laughs) half
2: the audience has
0: just clicked off now
2: so please keep watching. Yeah, please yeah. stay tuned.
0: We are We're gonna discuss the points though. First one um is, is a pretty big one. Um and that's all ten teams now have signed off on Concord Agreement for twenty twenty two. It is now the new regulations. All the teams basically <laughs> said, Yeah, we're happy with that, we'll stay in for another um couple seasons. Um uh, what what's your reaction to that initially, Reese? Did you think all ten would sign or, I mean, or what?
1: Yeah, cool, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, this is just news stories. We need to rattle through these because <laughs> the good stuff happens when my boys, when my boys achieve. Okay,
0: so, come on. Next one, then, uh, big one. Williams, uh, the team, and I mean, this has all happened now. The, two weeks ago, this was just a dream. Uh, two weeks ago, we didn't know this, but now we do. Williams uh, sold their companies to a U- uh, their their company, not singular, to a U.S. investment company called what is it, Dorlington International?
2: Darlington, I think it's called. Darlington um
0: and they obviously announced that after the belgian grand prix that this weekend would be their last one so now they've actually the williams family in a quite a sad situation have now left the formula one paddock claire has stepped away from management and you know after a long time of managing um they've decided to get reese's didn't want his hat on anymore he's taking it off. So <laughs> it's so
1: warm in this room it's so warm um, in this
0: room and they have now appointed a new team principal temporarily for the rest of the season um Ruth, do you have any more information on that
2: so um yeah the williams team was actually founded in 1977 by sir frank williams so it's very emotional this week that claire has um stepped down and left but a nice little tidbit is that um she was actually gifted a special present by the team um, which was the nose and the front wing assembly of the 2014 car in honour of her, her favourite memory, Aww. which is obviously the double podium at Abu Dhabi. Aww.
0: Well, it wasn't
1: going to be—it wasn't going to be from this season, was it? Can
0: you
3: imagine?
1: Well,
2: like, what are you going to
1: get the front wing of, You know, um, Russell who finishes in nineteenth and Latifi who finishes in twentieth.
0: That <laughs> what a memory. Um, all right, what else do we have between these races? Formula One has announced um, that it's going to be four formal races. It's pretty, pretty much completed the calendar now, I think. Um, and there's an exciting turn of events. We're going to be going to Turkey for a race, which I'm really looking forward to. I love that circuit. Um, and also, we're going to get in two races at Bahrain, one of which will be using the outside circuit there, short circuit around the outside, which is meant to be, apparently, I've got it here, the fastest lap uh in in f1 history it will be sub one second uh, sub one second <laughs> sub one minute um lapse um uh, so that'll be really interesting to see i concur he concurs ruth anything on that uh i
1: don't know what you want me to say yeah. to me. right i'm not being fully <laughs> don't don't join bbc news if they offer to give you a thing don't <laughs> all right damn you know, we're raffling off these headlines you finished off your point and then you were like so, what,
0: guys well it's a podcast guys we're not i'm not telling the news I'm, I'm 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 discussing the news um right okay i think that's pretty much all the news that's big from before this weekend um so let's talk about belgium let's have a little bit of chat about the belgium grand prix we didn't get to properly do a podcast on it and to be fair i don't think it needed one it was a pretty dull race um can you remember it can you throw your minds back two weeks guys
2: i can just remember the race being 100 percent boring and it was literally just hamilton all the way just a nice sunday drive for yeah. him easy peasy
0: reese is trying to remember really hard there
2: i'm getting i'm getting the
1: word <laughs> hamilton
0: hamilton yeah, Yeah. it was it start to finish, wasn't it? It wasn't even, in. It, it, it wasn't interesting. It wasn't a fun video. I just got my belly button out, by
1: the way. You're nice. welcome, everyone. Nice, little flash. You're welcome. Lovely. Didn't realise, I had a little itch. Decided to itch it.
0: Got well, my belly button out. Well, let's You're say welcome. that to our non-YouTube viewers, people that watch us over on, on Spotify or listen to us over on Spotify, etc. you've just missed a treat there. So make sure you come you over and see. check us out if on other platforms.
1: If you watch on YouTube, you can see my belly button.
0: Exactly. You know. Double the views. Come on, Rain them in. Um, so, yeah, I think the biggest thing that happened at the Belgisch, Belgian Belgian Belgish Belgian Grand Prix um, was uh, a big crash that happened between Giovinazzi and Russell, uh, and I think that was the most interesting part. And it was just Giovinazzi losing it, his wheel coming off and smashing into Russell. It looked a lot bigger than it was. I'll say that first off. Reese, we we watched it with Reese, and it was a bit of a from his from his point of view. He doesn't like big crashes. I don't
1: like crashes. Well, I do like <laughs> crashes. Obviously, it lightens up the race. But, like, it doesn't, it oh, it's horrible. So, when the camera cut to Russell's car, just initially, and said, was like, what's happened here? You know, and Russell's car's is literally in the barrier, looking like absolute trash, just sat there smoking away. You think that he's not going to come out uh. alive, really. I absolutely hate looking at that. I mean, thank you, Giovinazzi, for letting your wheel follow along the track. Like, come on. But yeah it it wasn't a pretty crash like like i was concerned this week but we'll get to that but yeah it's it's not i don't like watching that tom's yeah. always like tom's always going to be the fine, fine they're fine and i'm like <laughs> i can't watch i feel sick i can't watch i'm, I'm like, pretty sure
0: after the big one this weekend and again we'll get to that in a bit you were shaking you were actually shaking like
1: <laughs> <laughs> i thought i witnessed a death live like i don't like it really don't like it
0: and so from that, we went then to uh, Italy. Belgium was, was, it was very dull. And actually, I think we would have struggled to squeeze a podcast out of that, even if we if we really wanted to, um, we but we didn't. Two, um, yeah, so we, we shoved it in at the start of this one, but Italy was where it was really at. Um, and let's, let's have a good chat about Italy, because going into the weekend, there was two major things that were announced in terms of news. First one, which is a little interesting one. I want to hear your guys' opinions on this. Renault have decided that next year they don't want to be called Renault anymore and they're going to be changing their name to Alpine, Alpine F1 Um, and Reese, I feel like you've got a bit of a strong opinion about this so I'm going to hand over to you first to hear what you think about that
1: So if you saw an advert on TV right, and it was for Alpine would you think that it was a yoghurt? Because I would I think it was it was like a Greek-style yoghurt called Alpine. Helps you get up in the morning sort of thing. It, it, it nurtures you. Hate the name, right? Completely hate the name. They're going to change to Blue. There's already technically four teams in F1, is there? Or three. I think there's three teams in F1 that are yeah, using Blue. Drink. So, I, like, me, me and Tom had a discussion during the race, which I'm willing to bring to this podcast now. What's going to happen? That's going to be a fourth team with Blue. Because, you know, like technically McLaren are a shade of blue, uh, not McLaren, sorry, Mercedes are a shade of blue. And then you've got Williams, who are also using blue. And then there is the blue car in um, Red Bull. I'm sure Turo Rosso used to use blue. They've got a bit of blue on the car now. Yeah. Because that's not black, that's blue. So it's like, ah, the FIA are going to have to come in and say, well, we're going to have to designate colours. Like, if, if you can't all, if you're all going to pick blue, like, what, what's McLaren going to do next year? Release a blue car just to join in with the gang. You know what I mean? If the if the FIA, I get it, you've got a bright orange, bright pink ones.
0: He's still going, I like, can hear him in the next room, but he's... he's... <laughs>
1: what's the point? Oh, for God's sake. I am happy. I'm happy. What I was saying was, like, the FIA thing...
0: <laughs> this is the most broken rant I've ever seen in the history of the FR Rearview Podcast. This is incredible. This is just—I <laughs> don't know what's gone wrong. As you can tell, Reese is pretty annoyed at the fact that they're bringing in another blue car <laughs> onto the grid. I think, personally, I think I—I I, I enjoy the idea. I like it. I, I encourage them to do it, and I think it's just a bit of a marketing ploy so they can put Alonso back in a blue and white car blue and yellow car like he did in the Renault that he won in in 2006 that's what i'm thinking i reckon that's for the only reason they're doing it i think it's gonna be a very different shade of blue to the rest of them so i don't think i should be worried about that i know reese is, is quite upset i know he's had a little paddy about it but honestly i encourage it i think it's going to be good and we should bring in more be, brands to i sport. mean i'll be a,
1: i'll be having a paddy about the wi-fi in this flight in a minute as well <laughs> because you're working perfect why am i breaking up when i'm in a mood
0: it's because you're an apple what are you saying ruth
2: See, I don't think their main colour is going to be blue, which is why I don't think it'll be an issue. They're replacing the yellow and black because they're a French team, so they're using the French national colours red, Mm. white and blue. So I'm feeling that it won't actually be a mostly blue car and will stand out much more than a lot of the other cars.
0: Well, I mean, all the cars that actually have blue on them are primarily not blue. There's not a car that is like painted straight like electric blue. The only cars that have blue are the Red Bull, which is like a very dark blue. It wouldn't really clash, I don't think. And uh, Williams as well also used blue as their colour, but obviously the car is mainly white. Like there is a few, and, and Mercedes as well, but obviously their car is mainly black. So I think when you actually put them on track, if a car is mainly painted blue, I think it would stand out com- compared to the other teams that use blue accents right. more than anything, I think. My
1: point, my point is, is there's a full colour spectrum out there. Mm. Why is everyone using blue?
0: It's a nice colour. There's probably what, 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 there's probably some the marketing guru somewhere. There's probably I some bloke somewhere that that is like blue is the perfect colour to attract armies. But in
1: B and Q a colour chart saying duck egg blue,
2: please. You know what I mean? Like, what's going on? I think it like I don't know. There's a lot of white cars on the grid too. It's true. When you think about it, there's Toro Rosso. Williams is mostly mostly white, not not blue. Mm.
1: So that's two. Technically four. Hass.
2: Well. The, the blue one light. that your yeah. thing was. There's technically only two. Mercedes is blue, but it looks a bit more green. Yeah. It's mostly just the Red Bull and. Well, you know what? I think right, I think
0: your I'm problem, like, Reese. I think your problem is you just don't like change. You don't like the idea that there's going to be another colour yeah, on yeah, the team.
1: <laughs> you, you can see it flying around. Why change it? You've
0: just learnt the team oh. is Renault, and now they're changing it again. <laughs> You're still so calling them like, Lotus.
1: You know, you know what I'm actually really mad about. So I bought my mum this season's Renault shirt. <laughs> then Daniel Ricciardo decides to leave. So she doesn't even want to support them anymore. And then that's, that shirt's going to be obsolete anyways because it's going to be bright yellow and it's not going to be a bright yellow
0: team
1: network. <laughs> and I'm not happy. 45 quid. 45 quid that I won't get back. Ricardo on the back with his number. I think it's three. Don't, don't quote me on that. It is. Good you know. job. Thank you. Quick trivia. Um, yeah. On the back, Ricardo three. She's, she's got it. She barely wears it as it is. She's not going to
0: wear it when it's a bright green to is Anyway, that's one of the stories to this week. The other one, which I think was actually a bit more interesting to how it developed in the week, was one that we heard before Belgium. and I think we did talk about it at the land, uh, end of the Spanish Grand Prix podcast. Uh, but one that actually only came into play in Italy, and that was the engine mode ban. Yeah, and teams were told at the start of the weekend to pick an engine mode, and that's what they'd run throughout the whole weekend. Um, and honestly, I think it made a bit of a difference to the to the running order. I mean, you look at the results of the race and that's clear to see <laughs> maybe it did. Um, but I also think in the wrong way. I think it's it's Mercedes, it hasn't hurt at all. It's just who it was designed to hurt was Mercedes. I think it's teams like Red Bull that have really suffered from this. What do you guys think?
2: I definitely agree with that. I think that the biggest takeaway was that if the race had not happened how it had it would have so easily been Mercedes flying around yeah. the track, everyone else lagging behind quite a lot. You know, it. I don't think it's done what they wanted it to, but I don't see how they can take it away and say, "Oh, well, actually, we were just trying it for one race." Mm. I think they're a bit stuck now in that they have to use it. Obviously, there's exceptions for specific circumstances such as formation laps laps under safety car um laps that are purposely slow paced but there's nothing for you know if you're having a race and then your engine is having such a hard time you can't then change anything to help your driver out i don't know
1: well it was interesting during that race because um i can't remember the driver now at all however they said for him to turn the engine down because the car was struggling yeah now um was I, step, like, I think. The, the commentators are very good at uh, just in like describing the new rule mm. so they said that they can turn it down as long as they say to the fia immediately that they're turning it down before like i think it's they've got to say before turn it down that they're going to turn it down and then they t- can turn it down as long as the engine was already struggling or something yeah they can't just change it down to get an extra boost
0: yeah, so, um, I, think. I think they said when they do turn it down, they need to explain to the FIA why they've turned it down yeah. and they cannot then turn it back up, I think they said. so that's, once.
1: Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. so
0: once you've adjusted yeah. it, that's kind of where you are. So if you're turning it down, it's not to save fuel or anything like that. It's only to preserve the durability of the engine. Um, and as we said, it did make a bit of a difference. I think specifically in qualifying, I think we saw teams like McLaren for example, doing much better than um, everyone else. And especially as Red Bull. Red Bull seemed like they dropped. I think they finished P6 and P12. I don't know. It was a very bad qualifying from Red Bull. Hence why I'm not wearing the Red Bull merch today. I'm, I'm boycotting them. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, it was a terrible weekend for Red Bull. And I think we can talk about that, that a bit later. But it was the qualifying that I think we should get onto first um, well, as a can whole.
1: I, can I quickly talk about practice?
0: Yeah, show the, sure.
1: pa- the surprise out of practice was, I'm sure it was P3, where Lando and Signs finished uh, third and second. Yeah, Lando third, Signs second. Like that was that was the bit for me that sparked my little. Hello, this is looking quite good. Yeah, because they do normally run a quali a quali sim in practice. Yeah. So from that, I was a bit like, you know what, this weekend's looking all right for us. I didn't expect to get what happened in the race. But what I'm saying is, you know, I knew that like sometimes we struggle for a top 10. I yeah. knew that we wouldn't be struggling this week.
0: Well, OK, well, let's go on to qualifying then, because I think if there was one word and um, I tweeted this, actually, it's a quick one. Plug the Twitter. Our Twitter this weekend was very active. I'm going to try and be more active in the races every weekend on Twitter. So make sure you go over and give us a follow uh, at uh, F1RearView, I think it is at F1RearView uh, or search the F1RearView on Twitter and you'll find us we, we had some great little banter on there Reese was all over it with that so thank you very much to Reese for live tweeting in the race uh, we did something in qualifying as well and what I, one of the tweets I sent out in qualifying was um, there's one word to describe this session and it's um, messy that's uh, the
1: Twitter
0: did it flip back down yeah at the f one Review. there you go that's the that's Twitter cool. at the F1RearView perfect thank you very much Reese. So thanks for that um uh, But yeah, one word I think to use to describe qualifying was messy, messy, messy. Um, uh, Ruth, I think you got a bit more detail on that. So could you just give us a little bit about that?
2: Just throughout the whole of qualifying, there was just constant issues, constant, you know, we were hearing so many team radios. For example, Russell was very unhappy. Um, You know, he was swearing over his team radio. We don't really hear that from Russell quite a lot. There was also Vettel as well, who in Q1, he said, what a mess, why did the alphas have to overtake everyone? Mm. And I think that just perfectly sums up exactly what happened through qualifying. It was just constantly a traffic jam of people well, overtaking yeah. and everything.
1: It's like what the commentators were saying. Like, like I do really like Crofty. That's why I always keep going back to him, as much as some people don't. Um, but it's like what they were saying. They were saying that... It's like qualifying should be more gentlemanly, like. And Button, Button was saying this actually afterwards. He was saying, "I've never heard of overtaking in qualifying. You normally just wait, you go, do your lap, and then go back in." Yeah. Like that's what qualifying's meant to be. Why were they all racing on the outlap? I don't know. Like, I mean, I know I know he had this argument with you with during the race, uh, during qualifying, Tony, where I was saying, "Yeah, obviously they need to just for position," and I still agree with that. I agree that they should be allowed to overtake on the outlap because they need the position. However, it's still a bit like. <laughs> That was that was awful. It's not like someone just trying to get past someone because it got a bit too slow in the outlap. That was that was horrible. Mm.
2: I think the issue with all of that overtaking is that they all have ample opportunity to go out to put their time in to come back in. It's they all release at the same time and then they constantly have the same issue. Yeah, there's better ways to go about it than. All going out at the same time and then overtaking well, had, each other, that race, compromising going, going each other.
1: You had cars going side by side down the pit lane. That's how you knew it was going to be messy. Yeah. When
2: when you got yeah.
1: driving alongside his teammate going down the pit lane, you yeah. thought, that, you know,
2: I think and like this is an interesting point from Q one as well. Like carrying on from that, there was a, a massive incident um, involving Gasly, Albon, Stroll, Science, Latifi. Grosjean, Perez and Hamilton um, for driving unnecessarily slow Mm. and Mm. this was after all of the overtaking had happened and you know it was just an absolute mess on the track but after that you know obviously nothing happened from that because how could they determine who was at fault or who was compromising each other they
1: all got summoned to the stewards office to explain after qualifying why were you going so slow? Yeah, And I'm sure yeah. they all went, oh, well, Lewis was going slow in front of me. Well, Carlos was going slow in front of me. Exactly. Well, this you know what I mean? It was just... He it said, she said. Insane. Yeah. Exactly. No one was going to get a result out with that. No. However, it is good to see that the FIA are trying to clamp down on slow outlaps because slow outlaps are absolutely ridiculous. And the amount of time that we see a slow outlap, pen- uh, outlap penalise essentially... A-
0: yeah. Um, so <laughs> Why is it
2: just my Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah, I think another interesting point from qualifying was that both of the Ferraris were out before Q3 for the first time since 1984.
0: Ah, oh, what happened there? I mean, Ferrari this weekend, we just want to forget race and qualifying. It's meant to be their home Grand Prix. Obviously, I think this week's going to be more their home Grand Prix because it's actually at their home circuit. But in any normal F1 season, Monza is the Ferrari home Grand Prix, and um, I mean, when they don't even succeed there, it's embarrassing, isn't it? Well, I
1: saw I saw a really nice tweet, and it was Sebastian. The tweet, like what the woman tweeted was, Sebastian Vettel loves F1. At the moment, F1 hates Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. And it's so true, because obviously he went out first, but he was stood on the last corner. He was stood on a pile of ballot, ballot. I can't even say the corner of his name. <laughs> I know I can't say it, but he was stood on it watching the cars all fly around and it yeah. shows how much he loves the sport and it makes you feel so sorry for him and the fact that he's essentially underperforming mm.
2: i think it's definitely like rubbing salt in the wind isn't it he just is having such a bad time and then both of them are out the race which we'll get on to later also wasn't very good for them either it was just it's just constantly getting worse and worse and worse
0: yeah I think and uh, like you say uh, Seb does love F1 there's a thing that came out this week as well that he's just bought um, Nigel Manch- Mansell's um, original Williams from, from his his season in Williams Sebastian does love the sport that he wouldn't buy a classic F1 car if he didn't and I don't think it's even that he's a bad driver I think he's just in a really tricky spot right now where the team he's at doesn't like him he's not happy in that car the car isn't that good in the, in the first place and Maybe he is falling out of love with it in a very unfortunate way. I don't know. What do you think?
1: He's he's literally just waiting for that phone call. On Alfast and Martin Racing. Mm. I mean, it's going to happen. When's it going to happen? Who knows? What's going to happen? Is it? And then that's it. Yeah, a hundred percent, a thousand percent. If you're going to launch this new team, you want like because it is technically a new team, even though it's taken over from Racing Point. You want to have a what is it like what is he like four time world champion? Yeah. You, you want to have a four-time world champion at the front of your team, the poster boy of that team. You know, this season's a write-off for him, granted. Mm. However, if he's in a new car, they're designing that car around him, he's got to fly again, surely.
0: Well, um, Ted actually spoke about this on his notebook this week. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but right at the end, he was talking about Seb and he was talking about Racing Point and saying that, you know, a few weeks ago at the British Grand Prix, it sounded like that was going to be a done deal. Like they'd already got the contract signed. It was ready to go. But now, even if like six, five, six weeks later, we've heard nothing still. Is, there, is that dead? Did they Did they see Holkenberg in the car and decide to go for Holkenberg instead? Has Seb just struggled so much this season that it's kind of gone against him. I don't know. It, it just looks like it's kind of going against Seb now. And they haven't announced something yet, which is the weird thing for me.
1: I feel like it's more keeping it on the down low and wanting to make mm. a grand announcement about it when the time's right you know well, what I mean
0: also the fact that Sergio Perez then was talking about he's in talks with other teams but now Perez has been said I'm not planning on moving mm, uh, there's a lot of things around that that's making me think maybe this is it for well, Seb he, maybe this is right. His.
1: So, if, he, if you were so, a team owner Tom who would you pick Perez or Vettel
0: great question I don't know I couldn't tell you
1: exactly I, I, I mean I you. would probably I, it's a hard one but I'd probably sway towards the four time world champion yeah you know what I mean?
0: But is he still is he still a four time world champion? Has he still got that mentality? Give, I don't give know. Give him a season then. Give him yeah. a season.
1: See what happens. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Get someone back like Perez or your Hulkenberg's or something. Mm. You know?
0: I feel like Seb is one of our favourite talking points on this podcast. I feel like every week we come up with this point talking about him. What's he going to do? Because, it, honestly, I think it is one of the biggest questions in F1 right now. I don't think there is anywhere he can go and be happy right now without... The drama. Yeah. It's just the drama. Ferrari, it's a mess this season, isn't it? It's just a mess.
2: I think the final point would be, you know, obviously Ferrari aren't having a very good time, but there's one team who we already touched on that is having a very, very, very good time, especially after the um, engine change, which would be Mercedes. They had the fastest lap in F1 history set by Lewis Hamilton, a 118.887. mm the speed of that car to go 260 kilometers per hour yeah. and set that time is absolutely insane.
0: Yeah. I think the average the average speed on that lap in miles per hour was like 164 miles an hour. Imagine just going 164 miles an hour for one minute and 18 seconds. Like, that's insane. It's, Not slowing down. afterwards in my fiesta. <laughs> you know what I mean? Been... I think another
2: point as well would be that Bartas wasn't even very far off that either. Yeah. Bartas was 0.069 off of Lewis's time. Just the absolute speed of those cars has not been hindered in any way yeah. by the changes.
0: I think it's- Mercedes are in a position where, and it's fair, we saw it in the race actually, that we did see a weakness in that car, but they've designed that car to be at the front performing as well as it possibly can be. But it needs to be at the front, and that's the issue. Even take away the engine modes, that car is still incredible at the front. But um, and I think we should get onto the race now. We'll talk a bit about the race. That Mercedes in the race did seem like it had a problem. Whilst whilst Hamilton was at the front, he was botting it. But Bottas had a really bad start, fell back to like P eight, didn't he? And then from there, he was just struggling because that that Mercedes cannot work well in traffic, and that is what the problem he found himself in. Um, I mean, I want to touch on first, going off that. Yeah. Like, hats, hats off to Lando. What a start.
1: I think that's the best F1, like, the best start to an F1 race. I think I've seen any driver have. Yeah. He jumped, he, he jumped him. Like, he's in the Bottas is in the fastest car. Yeah. And he managed to jump him before. I think it was, like, the second corner or something.
0: Did he go from P6 like, to P3 or P4, P5 to P3? It was
1: uh, P5. P5. Was. Yeah. Insane. But, but, what a start. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it clearly wasn't his day he wasn't having a good time of it he was he was kind of a bit grumpy you'd say um especially blaming it on a puncture mm. but like the, the start that lando managed to have to be able to get from p5 p6 to to third absolutely incredible
2: i think another point from the bottas thing with the phantom puncture he was absolutely convinced that he had a puncture. Yeah. He even said after the race, in the first lap, I had some contact. I actually thought I had a puncture. He had understeer through turn six and seven. Carl was pulling to one side, so he was being cautious. But in actual fact, he didn't have anything. No. He didn't have a puncture at all.
0: It sounded to me like he was kind of looking for a scapegoat to explain his bad start. But I think this, the, yeah. the, to explain his bad start is... A, he got stuck in traffic and couldn't perform because the car was overheating straight away. And B, he just got a bad start. He didn't get he didn't get his that car off the line quick enough. That was the main problem, I think, for him there. It wasn't a puncture. There, there, maybe there was a bit of contact, but ugh, there was no puncture. Because, I mean, he even got on the radio and said that, and then the team were like, nope, pressures are okay. Well, There's yeah, nothing wrong with it.
1: It's a case of that he was wanting that scapegoat. And then we all looked at each other and we were like, yeah, there's contact because we watched the replay. There was contact, yeah. obviously, with Albon. Was it was it Albon? There was contact with someone. Yeah. I'm not sure it was Albon. Yeah, I and, believe uh, it was Albon. And, and we all looked at each other and we were like, "Like, come on, there was contact. Yeah, there was contact. There's nowhere near enough contact to like give a puncture.
3: No, you
0: know
1: what I mean? It was like they like, they literally just went. Oop.
3: Yeah,
0: like that. Like, it was very a very light. light. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, so, I mean, it was. Uh, it just went from bad to worse for Bottas from there. I think he he went down to PA... And pretty much stayed there for the whole race, didn't he? Even with everything that went on around him, everything that went on in that race, oh my god, he still just kind of sat there, wasn't able to do anything. It was a very bad race for him, definitely one to forget. I think, yeah,
1: it was also a very bad race for Albon as well. It was Andrew. a very bad and race I, for I think you could both went balls. the
0: top three teams. It was an absolute, it was terrible for all of them, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Dambles. Um, I mean, Ferrari, let's start with Ferrari. We talked about how horrible it was in qualifying for them. Let's talk about how horrible it was for the race for them. Vettel was, had an actually an all right start, I think, but then very quickly he was racing a Williams down the, the main straight, got to the end of the straight, and it looked like he just decided he didn't want to stop. And it went straight through the polystyrene barriers, didn't stop, and then got on the radio saying, yeah, my 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 brake line's just exploded. What?
2: Yeah. I think instantly you saw the fire coming out as well and everyone was just watching it like this is unbelievable how is how has that even exploded
0: yeah there's one thing that you need as a racing driver and that is brakes and that's the one thing you want to be able to rely on having uh is reliable brakes isn't it i mean
1: it was was really weird to watch that though because it was like he couldn't even be out couldn't even be bothered Myself on the twirl <laughs> couldn't even be bothered to swerve in and out of the slalom. He just thought, you know what, straight through it all, let's carry on. Well, he couldn't,
0: like he couldn't slow down enough to get through the slalom, that was the problem. He just it was a, a to- hole in the wall, it mate. Is,
1: I mean, it was a funny, yeah, a very funny tweet on the F1 uh rear Twitter, um, about that. If, if you want to go check it out,
0: it was like he was playing, <laughs> um, playing Fall Guys, and then we had to jump through those doors.
1: All right, WTF1, whatever it is. <laughs>
0: Um, I mean and then obviously Leclerc had that massive crash later on in the race but I, I mean that was I, it was insane um, but we'll come back to that in a little bit more that was what really changed the whole race thing wasn't it that crash
1: um, I mean talking about how bad um you know Ferrari were the the fact that Charles Leclerc was racing Albon you'd expect that to be around fourth or fifth I mean third at a push the fact have I broke up Am no. I still here? You're still going. Okay. The fact that you were both just staring at me, I was like, is it gone or not? <laughs> and The fact that they were racing over 14th and 15th showed how bad of a weekend it was for the top three.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think Albon did have um, a particularly hard time this week. You know, he was tagged by Gasly at the start and missed the corner and had to go around. And then that made him drop down to... P fifteen, which was just a racing incident, but you know, unfortunate for him. But then he also had another hit between him and Grosjean. Yeah. And he got the the five second penalty for that because he was didn't leave enough space for Grosjean to get around him.
0: Yeah, that was a, a very interesting one. I thought for Al, oh, I don't know if it should have been a. <sighs> Watching it back, I was, he didn't leave space, no, but at the same time, I I don't know. Maybe it should have been, I I just tried to defend Red Bull, I think, but.
1: If Grosjean did that to Albon, you'd be fuming.
0: Maybe, maybe I would, I don't know. I
2: I, think things like that, you've just got to be completely objective with the rules. The FIA have a rule, you have to leave enough space for a car to get round. Was there enough space? No. No. Yeah, That deserves a penalty, I suppose in my opinion.
0: I suppose it does. That kind of makes sense, yeah. But I think, to be fair, up until that point, I was, I was ready for a pretty boring race. I think it was, at that point, that the only exciting thing that had happened was turn one, Gasly had a little bit of a tag, the McLarens had a great start, but I was like, Hamilton's already away at the front. This is going to be a pretty boring race.
2: I have to say, at the start, though, it was pretty boring with Hamilton at the front, but already in lap one, it was a mclaren
0: two, three. absolutely that yes was interesting true. when you
2: took hamilton away from that
0: very true yeah. but it wasn't until you took hamilton away from that that it got really exciting and yeah. i think um it was it was kevin Magnussen. i put a tweet out of the race saying kevin Magnussen should get driver of the day because he changed that race up completely uh his car conked out coming around parabolic around that final corner which was i mean it was a corner to, to be looking for in this race came around that final corner car conked out he couldn't quite get it into the pit lane Had a park up on the pit lane entry and then michael massey had no clo no, no choice but to close the pit lane um only for two minutes later hamilton comes diving into the closed pit lane and i don't even think the commentators quite knew what was happening did they they were a bit like okay hamilton's in why is no one else coming why is no one else boxing the yeah. safety car oh well wait. i
1: feel like i feel like crofter didn't help my nerves by going science hasn't come in yeah no it hasn't come in and i was like <laughs> Why aren't they pitting? Yeah. Why aren't they pitting? We are throwing away a 2-3 here because they haven't pitted. But then, obviously, it turned out five minutes later we learned that the pit lane was closed. Yeah. But it was it, it was very... As a McLaren fan, and I'm sure other McLaren fans can back me up, that was very awful to watch because I was like, I don't know what our strategist is thinking here. Yeah. But whatever he's thinking, he is very wrong. <laughs> well, I think yeah. it started
0: off with... um, uh, There was a car in front of Science, wasn't there, with Hamilton or something, and he didn't go in. And I kind of said, Why is he not coming? And then the McLaren's didn't come in. And I was like, well, Hang on, what's happening here? Why Why is no one pitting? Because the McLaren team was in the pit lane expecting them. Then they didn't come in. And it was like, What? And then obviously, eventually, Crofty was like, Oh, hang on, the pit, the, pit, the pit, the pit lane's pit closed.
1: Close to all the pit crew. And they were all just stood there like, And you got matey by with a tyre like that. Like, What do I do with it now? <laughs> like, I took it out of the blankets It's with- not but he, like, he only knows three actions. Take it out of the blanket, put it like that. That's all he knows, and then take the other one away. <laughs> like, he didn't know what to do now.
2: I think the important part of that as well is that Giovanazzi did actually go into the pits as yeah. well. Yeah. Even though he was at the back, he saw everyone else stay out and still chose to go into the pit lane.
0: I wonder what was going through his mind then. Was He was, he was like, hang on, why has no one else come in? I'm going to get loads of positions here. This is brilliant. What, what are they all doing? Like He must have He'd been really confused just like,
1: life could be a dream out the bird, the bird, and just pulling it into the pit lane not a clue he was he was probably zonked out of it
0: well ted said on the notebook that there was one person that noticed that the, the pit lane was closed and that was someone right back at brackley in the factory who kind of eventually said oh guys this isn't we've done bad here he's coming to the pit lane there was then that kind of limbo wasn't there because that brought out the safety car wasn't it? Um, Magnussen being parked up there, brought out the safety car. Safety car came in. This was before we knew anything about the, the penalties and things. Safety car came in. We all got going again, and then Leclerc just had a massive shunt, and it was abs. It was a huge crash from Leclerc into the tyre barrier at the outside of Parabolica, which then brought out the red flag, and so all the cars came. Oh, I've just punched my mic. Brought out the red flag, so all the cars had to come back into the pit lane um, because he had just absolutely just torn up the tyre barrier. That was a nasty shunt from Leclerc.
2: It was an absolutely insane crash. And I just remember watching it. And on the radio, it was, does he have a puncture? Have his brakes failed? Yeah. You know, what's happened? And in the end, it was completely just that he'd lost control. He just
0: lost the back end, yeah. When he was
2: going so fast. And he even said when he got out of the car, it was a big crash. I'm sorry. I struggled with the balance. Yeah you know he knew it was his fault but it was so lucky that he did get out of the car and i think that's how you can tell that f1 safety has been taken so so seriously oh, 100%, yeah I, I think
1: it's worth pointing out that he didn't just get out of the car man started doing the 200 meters he liked it you know, <laughs> he was like i'm getting out of here yeah
2: he was that he was like i, I mean if i'd have crashed he my car like that street, yeah.
1: He I
0: was pretending like gone. he just crashed into
1: his neighbour.
0: Yeah, it's Nothing. an insurance job. <laughs> the police were coming after him <laughs> the way he was running away. But uh, yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to get caught. He couldn't risk it. He was just legging it. Um, it was a massive shunt, and um, I think what made it worse, to be fair, was the cat. Normally, with crashed like that, you see it on the replay after the red flags come out. But the camera cut to that camera angle so perfectly as he was skidding across the gravel. It wasn't a replay. We watched it live of him just banging into that wall. I think that made it worse. Just the live impact of watching it happen. I, I don't know what happened there, but...
1: I was, the lighter. I was lighting the candle already for him. I was like, there you go. You know I mean, I wasn't happy on that.
2: I think after as well, it was insane to see how much damage was on that car. They couldn't even get it out. They had to... <laughs> Ripped the nose off and just at the end of the day, be like, Yeah, they had sorry. it dangling. The
0: nose is stuck, and then it all came out. And all the, all the marshals, like, Oh, Jesus, they started jumping back.
2: There was a tire on fire, That
1: was everything. Have, what would have topped that off was a marshal with a baseball bat saying, Right, Magal, and I'll kind of drop something down there. It, like,
0: <laughs> it was huge, and obviously, it brought out the red flag. Like we said, the tire barriers were absolutely destroyed, they had to restart the race to kind of rebuild the tyre barriers and this is where it got interesting because the cars in front of the McLarens, Gasly, uh, Perez, I don't know if there was some, uh, Raikkonen I think and Giovannazzi.
2: And Stroll, sorry not Perez, well. yeah
0: Stroll you're right I got them confused sorry they hadn't pitted for tyres they decided under the safety car not to come in for some reason I don't know why they decided that it was a stupid decision Pre- preliminary before the red flag it was a really stupid decision they could not have predicted that red flag coming Uh, But the red flag came out, and obviously this is one I want to debate with you. This is one I want to have a discussion with you about. When they come into the pit lane, they can switch tyres. And so Gasly, Perez, Giovinazzi, Raikkonen all got a fresh set of tyres that allowed them to go straight to the end without having to make a pit stop. Let's have a discussion about this. I want to know what your thoughts on this are. Do we think that that should be allowed? Should red flags mean you can touch the car, you can kind of change a few bits on the car or not?
1: Uh, Absolutely not. No, no chance, no way. And I feel like your pit stops are there for your tyre changes. Just because there's a red flag, it shouldn't mean that you can change anything on the car.
3: Mm.
1: Right, I I completely disagree with any team doing that. What it wrecked the race. I felt like it completely destroyed the race. The fact that people just changed tyres, and two, the graphics. Right, let's talk about them real quick. (laughs) The graphics man didn't know what was going on with who's on what what tyres. You know, it was saying that. Um, i think it was stroll was racing Gasly, and they were both on hards uh, yeah. no one of them was on hards and one of them was on softs and that wasn't true no at all yeah and i don't know i just absolutely hated it i feel like it really affected the race because people got a f- like a free free pit stop you know that they they say like in a safety car it's a free pit stop yeah. this was this was free and half extra free yeah. you know what i mean cuz they're not losing any time i i feel like the rules need to really be looked at about that and i'm sure that mclaren will be the first ones to go and say how's this fair? Mm. Because they were the ones who did it properly throughout all of this. They were the ones who stuck to the rules, didn't go in when Lewis went in, like completely stuck to it. And I I feel like they'll be the first ones to ask questions.
0: So you think the rule should be as soon as there's a red flag, as soon as everything stops, it should just be a stop button on the race. Nothing changes. Stop button. Everyone's in the pit lane. Fix what's broken on track. Bring it back round onto the grid to go again. Nothing changes. Red red flag. He's frozen. He's gone.
1: The car should come into the pit lane, it sits there, drivers can get out, have a go scooters, but <laughs> the cars shouldn't be touched by anyone at all.
0: Right. Okay.
2: See, I'm of I a different opinion to you. I think they should be able to. Everyone's already at a huge disadvantage because of the red flag. Their tyres are cold, the engine has to be stopped, and then restarted. You know, it's just, it depends how you look at it. I mean, all the drivers and all the teams have the exact same opportunity to change their tyres. Everyone, you know, the FIA, if they want to change parts, can change parts, things like that. As long as everyone has the same opportunity to do the same thing, then, I don't know, I I think it should be allowed.
0: I think it would also be an issue with the red flag where because everyone reforms on the grid and it's essentially a second race start, if some people have got tyres to go to the end already at that point, and other people don't, their 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 races are ruined as well. They're just going to go straight to the yeah, back because is it, everyone's there.
1: How's it fair? How's it fair that technically the McLarens, and I'm sure Lord, I don't know if I'm frozen or not now. I'm you a did. Frozen. Yeah, no, you yeah. did. <laughs> how's it fair that technically the McLarens uh, got thirty seconds added on to the to the race sort of thing. It's thirty seconds of pit stop. Mm. You know they they did stops that's again. people are like um, uh, yeah I just don't really think it's fair because you've got teams flying into the pits during the race how can people get a free pit stop out of it
0: yeah I, I mean there is, there is a few ways you can look at it there's a couple different ways you can look at it you, either way someone's going to lose out if you don't make your tyre changes that team is going to lose out completely if you do make your tyre changes another team's going to lose out so either way someone's they've got to work out a way that this can be fair and i don't know exactly which way that is maybe i I, to be fair i agree with reese in the sense that red flag nothing should be done to the cars unless it's like for safety unless there's like a damaged part then that should be changed out but in terms of everything else no i don't think tires should be touched
1: i feel like it should act like a safety car Mm. but the pit lane's closed you know what i mean that's how I reckon it should happen. The cars should truth around the track. Like truth you know what I mean? Like they, they can't. But in hindsight they should like I don't know. Yeah. Like they, I think it's but then I, I'm explaining it in a really bad way.
2: <laughs> but then you could say the same thing about a team who pits and then a safety car comes out. That team has already pitted and lost that. And then Yeah, but
1: at least at least when that's happening, pitted, at least at least when that's happening, the other team is still losing time. It's mm-hmm. not as much time. It's like 15 seconds, not 30 seconds. But they're still losing time.
2: Yeah. Yes and no. I don't know. When you change your tyres anyway, you're at a disadvantage to begin with anyway because your tyres haven't heated up. They haven't done anything. Yeah, you're, you're probably more likely to start... slide around a track and everything. So
1: You're at a very short know. disadvantage and then a very long advantage. The disadvantage is right at the start of the first lap. After that first lap's done, it's just full advantage.
0: Yeah. Maybe, I think it's definitely one that will be discussed for a while after this race, and, and maybe it will be something that gets changed. Uh, but during that red flag, there was something else that happened, and it was it was Lewis Hamilton and he and his scooter, and he loves his scooter, Harry. He he scoots everywhere on it, uh, and <laughs> we saw him scooted off to the FIA to to have a chat about the penalty that he was facing and try and argue with the fact that he. Didn't deserve a penalty because he didn't realise it was closed. Yada yada yada. We saw very early on in the red flag that Giovanazzi was given this ten-second penalty, um, ten-second drive-through penalty for ignoring the red flag. I think there was a bit of a ang- anxiety from my end at least when Hamilton, uh, when Giovinazzi was given the penalty, but not Hamilton. Um, and what do you guys think about that? I was worried that they were going to say that Hamilton didn't didn't deserve it or something.
2: No, I think Hamilton was. For sure, in for a penalty. He knew it. The team knew it. He even asked on his radio multiple times whether he had a penalty or not. Yeah. He even said on the radio after he got given... I think it was after he had a penalty, but I'm not 100% sure. I think he didn't have it at this point. He said, I'm just trying to understand there was no light on the, the entry to the pit lane. Yeah. Or something something along those lines. When clearly we saw in a lot of replays that you know the lights were to the left-hand side of him. Yeah. There was two lights, I think it was, that had the crosses on. And he he so clearly just either wasn't paying attention to them or wanted to gain an advantage by not doing it. But I think most importantly, he entered the pit lane 12 seconds after it had been closed. Mm. And just...
0: It it, it was a tricky... I don't
2: understand how they couldn't have given him a penalty and given Giovannazzi a penalty. It's... 100%
0: 100% it should have been a penalty and it was a penalty I think you make the mistake of coming to a closed pit lane you make the mistake of coming to a closed pit lane someone should have realized that's their job isn't it at the end of the day if the it's it's it, everyone's safety the FIA say this is closed do not enter there was lights on the left the pit wall must have had some kind of light and if it didn't they need to work out why they didn't the pit wall should have been told it was closed uh, and Hamilton just shouldn't have come in and then, Maybe there wasn't that notification to the teams that should have been there because there was also a lot of teams that that came out into the pit lane before they then didn't, like the actual pit crew were waiting there. I don't know. Again, it's a very tricky subject, but obviously Hamilton did did get the 10 second penalty. And at that point, this race just changed for everyone, I think. Because as soon as that came up on the screen, that Hamilton had that penalty, I was thinking, I literally have no idea who is going to win this race. I had no idea which way it was going to go. Was it going to go to um, who was it? Stroll who was at the front? Stroll was in the perfect position to yeah, win the race. Yeah, Stroll was at the front. He had new tyres. He was ready to go. Was it going to go to Gasly behind him? Was it going to go to Sainz or uh, Norris? I didn't know what was going to happen. And it all came down to lining up on that grid again and getting ready to go, didn't it? I think, uh, I
1: think the point that you made about the pit crews not knowing... Just to go back on that real quick, and then we'll go forward. I think that the the walls would have got told that the pit walls would have got told. They would have told the drivers, "Do not come into the pit. The pit lines closed." Obviously, twelve seconds isn't as long as we think it is. You know mm. what I mean? Like it is long in F1 terms, but it's not that long. So if they've received that message, it you know they can't really get on straight away. Mm. But I don't, I feel like the priority was to make sure that the drivers stayed out and not to tell the pit crew, stop doing what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. you know, it, would, it was easy, like, after a lap, they could have went, oh, yeah, they're coming in now. Like, they could, the pit lane's reopened. So, I think it was worth them keeping pit crews there just ready. Yeah. Um, but move, moving on to what you just said, um, Stroll through it away, definitely. He absolutely bottled that staff. And was- I have no idea how it happened.
0: Yeah, it was Stroll's race to lose, really, wasn't it? Stroll was, was was lined up next to Hamilton right at the front. All he had to do was just get a good start, stay behind Hamilton, let Hamilton come in, and then just go to the end. And it would have been a Stroll Stroll's win, but it just didn't work like that. And I don't know if Stroll had a bad start or if Gasly just had an incredible start, but it was Pierre Gasly from this point on. And I don't think had- anyone tipped him to be a winner until this point. When he got the start there, he was just on it like a car bonnet, and he went for it. He wanted to get the win, and that's what he went and did, didn't it? He, he just—it was it, a different kind of Gasly that I haven't seen before out there today, or out yesterday. yeah.
2: I think as well, it was a very different Staffin that we've seen. His engine failed mm. after they restarted, didn't it? I'm pretty sure it was like a lap or two laps after. Yeah. He just—he was having such a bad race, just absolutely lost it, and Gasly was just in such a perfect position just to take the win really
0: absolutely it was his it was his to lose and i think it was very exciting because no one quite knew what was going to happen no one knew what was going to happen at the end of that race it was so up in the air it could have gone either way it was science though that was really wanting that win he got on the radio and i'm going to have a little bit of a word about this because science he's one of your boys how did you feel watching that
1: Well, if the the internet lets me talk (laughs) them for more than thirty seconds, Um, it was it was hard to watch because you you cheer for the win, don't you? You really want your team to win. Yeah. And there's never I've not seen a race where it's been that opportunity for McLaren to win, like in the in the new era, if you will, Mm. for McLaren to win. That was the perfect opportunity. If you would have told me at the start of the race weekend, McLaren's finishing second and fourth. I would have went, all right, then, cheers. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would have been like, I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that any day. Yeah. But the fact that it, it's the fact that Signs had such a good race. Like, he was the leader at one point. Hamilton pitted, and Signs was the leader of the race at one point. Signs should have completely, I, I, I want to say Signs should have won it, but he shouldn't have won it. He should. Have, he should have came about fifth in that race, mm. like, realistically. You know what I mean? So second is absolutely fantastic. You've got the social media guy on the McLaren social media trying to hype it up, being like, we finished second. Yeah. But everyone's kind of feeling a bit like... Eh, it could have, it, have
3: it like, could have been the it win.
0: It could have been the win. It feels
1: like a loss. It feels like we we had two DNFs. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Well, I mean, even during the race, you kept saying, to be fair, I'm happy with second. I'm happy to take second. But I could tell there's just something in your voice where you were just saying that because you were worried you weren't going to win. And you were kind of just get mentally preparing yourself for the fact that second's great still. I should be happy with second. But when it came, push came to shove, you were like, yeah, second, amazing podium. But
1: It was that last lap where he caught him. I was like, right, come on, get second out of your head. He's he's, he's got him here. And it just didn't happen. Sadly, it really didn't happen. It was, um,
0: yeah, very, very unfortunate.
1: But it it, it was a good race nonetheless. I just, second feels like last. Yeah. You feel as though you should have won. You know what I mean? It's like if Lewis finished second, he'd be absolutely like, he wouldn't be happy, would he? No, and that's that's kind of how I felt that science felt, even though he shouldn't have felt like that, he did, yeah. So
2: I think it's so funny as well. Like, you know, it's not like science was about to go hop on a scooter after the race and go up to the FIA and say, Hang on, this should have been my race, but he had such a good race and he was trying so hard to overtake, yeah, so many laps, he was trying to get DRS. I think <laughs> after the race as well, he even said, if I'd have just had one more lap.
0: Yeah. And i think and one was lap just done, so yeah.
2: sad to hear that. Mm.
0: The thing is, though, the
1: board came on the bottom of the screen saying catching time six laps. And that was on something like lap 42. So he should have caught him by about lap 48. Yeah. And that would have given him four laps to get the DRS to overtake. I'm not quite so sure what, what
0: happened for Carlos there because he, did, he got very close and... It did say that, but then he just kind of got stuck in a point where he was about 1.4, 1.6 seconds behind, and he just couldn't get close enough until right on the last lap. He must have just, I don't know what he did, but he did an incredible job to get within a second, got the DRS, and then got really close to him, but couldn't make a stick.
1: Basically, if he did that from the fifth lap from the end, he'd have done it. We we would have had a first and a a
2: fourth. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, he'd have done it 100%. But in the end.
2: I think it shows as well. In the fact that Gasly won the race, but science was 0.4 seconds
0: Mm. behind
2: Gasly at the end when they crossed the line. It was so close.
0: Yeah, 100%. But when push came to shove and when it came down to the end, it was Pierre Gasly that did win the race, as you just said. And I think we need to just give him a round of applause because he just did an incredible job today. He was flawless all race. And what? Give him a round of applause. Oh. Uh, he Definitely was flo- he was flawless all race, and he just did such a good job. Um, I mean, he's had a tough year, hasn't he, Pierre? And I think if anyone deserved that win, to be fair to him, it was him. Obviously, it, just over a year ago now, he lost um, Antoine Hubert. Then um, he got robbed. He got dropped from Red Bull. It's just been a dreadful year for him. It's just not gone well at all. And this win is the one he needed. Um, uh, I think he, he, he won it from... Um, and this is the one he, he needed. Um, Ruth, do you have a bit more details about the win that you could just give us? Tom,
2: um, that's a bit of an awkward hand over The there. one right
0: at the end where it says, I can't read it because it's all, I can't read that very well. Where it says, after I was driving, Pierre Gasly claimed an unlike not like Yeah, that's really what dead.
2: I already read. Did you? When I said the times, so yeah.
0: Yeah, but you haven't said that he was like the first winner since 1976 or whatever.
2: That's not on mine.
0: Okay. I thought that's what you've that said. added that in. I haven't I haven't added it. I can I can't read blocks of text like that very quickly when reading off. But I thought that's what it said. Okay. Um but then I think yeah, Gasly, he deserved that win. And when it when it comes Why down to it. Hold
1: on, hold on. Why don't instead of doing that just be like Reese, what did you think of the win? And then Ruth can get that fact about nineteen seventy something. Right. Or okay. whatever it
0: is. Right. Okay. I think he, he really deserved that win. Uh reese I know you wanted Sainz to win that race. I know you wanted to go to Carlos. But how do you feel about Gasly winning that? Did he deserve it? What do you think?
1: It was hard to watch purely because Sainz was there. If anyone else was there, I would have been cheating Gasly. Like and I mean like absolutely anyone else. Um,
2: but yeah, it was it was it
1: was quite it, it very like well done. That that's really all I could say. Well done. He deserved it. It's very nice to see after everything that's happened in this last year, especially being kicked off the well I say kicked off the Red Bull driver's team. He's not been kicked off the driver's team, obviously, but he got he got a demotion, yeah. which is never never nice. No. Um I, I had a conversation with my mum about this, and I said to her, I want to see Gasly in the Renault or something like that. Or a racing point. Something like that. He needs to get himself out of that Red Bull driver's programme and just branch out somewhere else. Yeah. Even if it means not driving for a year. That driver's programme is absolutely killing him.
0: I think, to fair, as long as Max Verstappen is in that Red Bull team, then there's, that Red Bull junior program is pretty much defunct, because no one's going to come through into that Red Bull team and take him off his top spot. Until there's a driver that can beat Verstappen, they're only interested in Verstappen, and yeah. I don't think Gasly's quite good enough to take it to Max yet, and I mean, it's, it's sad to say that, but I think it's the truth, that he's he's a great driver, but he's never going to make it in Red Bull. And that is the decision he has to make now. He has to w- realize where he's going to go. But I mean, for this win, he deserves a hundred percent and, and his future is something that's going to happen in the future. So we can talk about that when something more gets announced, but everyone was happy for him. I think no one was disappointed with Gasly for that win. You saw all the drivers coming over and give him a hug. You saw uh, his fellow countryman, Raman Grosjean going and, you know, getting so excited for him on the radio. Um, Yeah, I don't think anyone could have been disappointed. What what, what do you think about it, Ruth?
2: Well, I mean, it was just amazing for him as well. You could see how happy he was after the race, you know. It was definitely a very, like, heartfelt moment for him. But Mm -hmm. I think, like you said, he is an amazing driver. He just needs to branch himself somewhere else. I mean, that was the second win in all of history for Alfa Tore. I mean, it wasn't Alfa Tore before it was Toro Rosso, in 2008 with Vettel,
3: mm.
2: who that's their only previous win
3: yeah. under
2: under Toro Rosso or Alfa Torre, you know. Gasly's their second win, and he's the first driver to uh, have won a race since 2013 outside of Mercedes, Ferrari, or even Red Bull.
3: Yeah.
2: It's the first one, and it's just it's just amazing, to be honest.
0: And I think as well for, for Grosjean and for all the, the the French drivers in that race, it meant a lot to them as well because it's the first time a French driver has won since I think 1996 when uh, Paris won it. Uh, Paris, something like that. Uh, <laughs> the last French driver that, that won an F1 race. Um, it, it, it was emotional, especially for Grosjean. He was really excited about it. Maybe not for Espanolcon. I think his post-team radio was a bit more aggressive. He, he was very unhappy that Renault didn't uh, capitalise on on what was available to him. Um, But it was a great race either way. And there's a topic I want to ask here uh, that Ross Braun's kind of had a chat about afterwards, uh, and that's about reverse grids. Now, we kind of saw what a reverse grid race might look like at Bonzer because we got all the big, good cars at the back. We saw that Mercedes at the back. We saw the less good cars at the front, uh, and we got a great race from it. Do we think that reverse grids should be something that's considered? Should we see reverse grids once again in the sport or for the first time uh, in the sport?
1: Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, I feel as though, well, I love qualifying the way it is. It's so exciting. Who can set the fastest lap? Obviously, Mercedes. But it, it's nice to just see, oh, and he's through to Q2. Oh, he's three. Like, sort of thing. I love qualifying. Qualifying is my favorite part of the race weekend. I am Mayo. I prefer qualifying over the race. Yeah. Um, I feel like having a reverse race, like, it'll be good. Like, don't get me wrong, it it will be good. What
0: what if they did qualifying how they do it already, but then the fastest car just goes to the back?
1: That's unfair though, isn't it? No one's going to want to set a fast lap.
0: Well, you want to set a fast lap because then you have the fastest car for the race to get back to the front.
1: But no one no that doesn't make sense. You know that, that don't make sense.
0: I think it would. So, I think it would make you're sense.
1: Saying Lewis, you're saying that Lewis wouldn't back off on the last corner, knowing that he's already set a pretty decent lap. You know?
0: Well yeah, because everyone wants to have the fastest lap but also have the fastest car for the race ahead of them. And I think that would be very interesting because I'd be interested in yeah, that at that point to don't see.
1: Get, don't get me wrong, you're right to see the fastest car go through the pack. You're right. Yeah. However, my point is, what's stopping drivers from lifting off on the last corner so they don't set the fastest lap so that they, they go higher up the grid?
0: I suppose. Mm. See I, what think,
2: I, mean? I think it would be more interesting if on a race calendar, they did, I don't know, two, two races with reverse grids mm. out of all of the races. I think this showed exactly why reverse grids are definitely worth considering. Yeah. I mean, the reason Ooh. Mercedes fought to not have reverse reverse grids for so much was because it puts them at a disadvantage, and it's the only disadvantage that the Mercedes have. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. the engine change did not do anything to affect the Mercedes. The reverse grids are such a good idea to mix up a race and to mix up the pack. It gives other cars opportunities to perform better than they may do, if the grid was how
1: it normally is. Yeah, I agree.
2: It would
1: be interesting to see it once or so twice. Do they do reverse grid
0: in F2? In F2, they do it with the top seven get reversed, yeah.
1: See, I'd, I'd, I'd stick with that. I'd, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. I feel like top ten, top ten reverse is fine, but I wouldn't... You William starting off at the front, you know, what were you doing then, counting down the laps until they get right back to the back?
0: Yeah, so how, how they do it in F2 is quite interesting. They have three, they have a qualifying session and they have two races. So they have the qualifying which decides for the um, feature race uh, and then they do the feature race and then the top seven from the feature race gets swapped round. So the car that finished seventh starts first for the sprint race and then they do that straight to the end. And that is very interesting to watch, to be fair. And I think that is that is a good thing that works, but then they'd have to do two races per weekend, which is probably more trickier.
1: Hmm. I, f- I feel as though that it's not plausible for F1 to be able mm. to do it. I think maybe... I don't know. Like I feel like the top three cars are close enough to each other. Well, obviously, Mercedes are out there. But I feel like they're close enough to each other that they've all got the same kind of advantage, if you will. Um, yeah. The mid-pack are always all bunched together. It'll be so hard to do it.
2: I think... It, I just disagree because I think... You ...a reverse grid... I think a reverse grid forces front teams like Mercedes to have to race with other teams. Mm. It gives other teams the opportunity that they don't normally have. Mercedes lead every race. It's just a common known fact. Mercedes usually win majority of races, but when you have a reverse grid, we saw how much they struggled. We saw Vartas was not happy in his car. Yeah. Neither was Hamilton. It's... It's a different kind of race when you have a reverse grid. I completely understand that, but I think it it just would benefit F1 much more if they at least tried it for one race. See, I or I think I,
1: I think it would work if you say look, Italy, Great Britain and Brazil are going to be reverse grid. Yeah. Let's see how that works. Not
0: every race. However,
1: however, qualifying's good because you know, you've got to settle down, get the fastest lap. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I love qualifying. It gets me adrenaline going because it's like, who's in the bottom, who's in the bottom five, sort of thing. Mm.
0: Right. Well, that's a great debate. And I think it will be very interesting to see which direction Formula One go. And I think Ross has said, Ross Brawny said he's going to take a look at it and they will evaluate it again because if it will work, I think. And if they implement it well, it will be very interesting to watch. So it'll be interesting to see what decision they come to on that. And obviously, we'll come back to that. Um, this has been a long episode today. We've had a lot to talk about, and we have shoved it all in. So I think it's time we round it out. We're going to start. We're just going to round it up now just by having a quick chat about Magello. This weekend, we're going to Magello, Magello, whatever the hell it's called. Um, it's, it's Ferrari's home circuit. It's the circuit they build their cars for what are we predicting the results are going to be here? Uh, we'll start with Ruth. What do you think?
2: I have to say, just before I do my prediction, I'm very upset. Because normally, I would predict that something would happen to a Mercedes here. <laughs> and last week would have been my perfect opportunity.
3: <laughs> it's true. To
2: have crystal balled ahead and got it right for once. But I think teams will definitely be much more well-adjusted to the engines and how the engines were affected this race mm-hmm. is definitely Lights. going to influence this next race. Yeah. And I think we'll see teams recovering much better. I think last week's race, it just wasn't it for majority of the teams, but I think this race, they'll know how to do it. Mm. And for that reason, I'm thinking Mercedes, as much as it pains me to say it, will be a one-two and
0: who's that third then, spot though
2: it's the third spot that i always get stuck on because part of me wants to say that it'll be a red bull but part of me thinks that it'll be a mclaren
0: mm, i'm kind of thinking mclaren too
2: or a racing point
0: yeah yeah it's going to be very interesting Brees, uh what do you reckon
2: uh
1: mercedes one two. Uh, both Ferraris to be in the top ten, but like ninth and tenth. Do you reckon? Um, yeah, not not high top ten, but I think way too embarrassing for them to be too, to be that, that low down, in, especially in the home circuit. Yeah, I reckon someone's gonna drill like drill a hole in a compartment to make it go faster. You know what I mean? They're gonna cheat. It's the home circuit. They're gonna look <laughs> like absolute idiots. If They're they just gonna the be changing
2: circuit. the They're... engine the whole time. No, genuinely. I reckon something's going
1: to come out after this next weekend. If Ferrari do well, as in top 10 well, yeah. someone's going to come out this next weekend saying Ferrari cheated. Because I, I can guarantee that they don't want to look like that much of idiots in their home Grand Prix. So, Reese's so prediction
0: I reckon, is that Ferrari are going to Ferrari cheat.
1: Cheats. Ferrari cheats, but they only get 9th and 10th. <laughs> and then I'm going to say both Mercedes 1-2. I'm going to say I'm going to give the win to Bottas, though, not Hamilton. Ooh. Um just because I want to see that happen personally. Uh and I'm gonna say Perez gets third. I reckon McLaren's will come fourth and fifth.
0: Interesting. Right. Well I think Wait, no, for... no no no, oh, no, no oh,
1: oh, oh. fourth and fifth. I reckon McLaren's will come sixth and seventh, and then obviously Red Bulls and stuff.
0: That's right. I did ask for your yeah. top three, so thank you. Um... <laughs> um I think that it's gonna probably be a Mercedes one, two once again, and I think third we're gonna I think we're gonna see that McLaren. I think McLaren are gonna get there, and I think they're gonna do it. Red Bull looked like the engine modes have just ruined them. Last weekend, not having those extra engine modes did really look like Honda have just kind of taken a big step backwards. So I'm interested to see what that what happens next week um, and if, if Red Bull can come back from it. But right now, I think it's McLaren. They're kind of in that spot fighting for those podium positions. And I really hope we see some good stuff from that. Um, anyway I'll round it up because I think Reese is about to go and pick a fight with the router he's not had a good podcast he's in a very grumpy mood but we love him nevertheless Um, thank you very much for watching today's episode of the F1 Review Podcast I've been Tom as always
2: I've been producer Ruth as always
0: (laughs) and Reese is frozen again perfect Um, (laughs) he's thrown his mic right away No one knows what he's saying. Uh, We'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs)